Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at more than 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that helps power their emerging markets business strategies. Today we'll speak about how to protect your business in Russia from corruption. My name is Matthew Spivak and I'm a practice leader for the Middle East and North Africa at FSG and I'll be moderating today's podcast. Joining me for today's conversation from FSG's London office is Martina Bozieva, Associate Practice Leader for Central and Eastern Europe and the author of our latest report on managing compliance in Russia. As a reminder, this research and all of our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. Martina, thanks for joining us. Can we start off if you could first tell us why FSG chose to focus on this topic? Absolutely. The reason why we focused on the topic of corruption in the context of Russia is because um, for pretty much all of our clients who are operating in the market, this is a very significant challenge and a very significant concern. Um, in some cases, this means they're actually having problems with uh, corruption. But in most cases, it's really a matter of anxiety about the role that corruption plays in operating in Russia, um, how corporate perceives that role, um, and how to manage corruption. And there is, of course, real reason for it. We all know that corruption does exist in Russia, and it is a pretty significant operational problem. Um, just one example um, to highlight that is the fact that um, last year, Russia ranked 133rd out of 174 markets at um, Transparency International's Corruption Perception Index. So clearly, corruption is a concern in the market. Um, the reason why we published this piece is to help our clients go beyond that concern to an area where they really can control how corruption affects their business in the market. We've seen a lot of companies hold back on investment in the market because of concerns that corruption might be an issue if they were to put more people on the ground, if they were to have a bigger footprint. Um, we don't think that's necessary. And um, what this report is all about is um, helping our clients think about what are practical actions that are within their control that they can implement to protect their Russian business from corruption risk. And there are definite things that um, EMEA executives and, and businesses operating in the market can do. Um, to decrease the the sensitivity of their business in Russia to corruption. And Martina, what are some areas in which clients can control their corruption risk? Um, there are two areas that we've highlighted. One is how they manage their own business, so their own employees, their own office. And the other one is how they manage their Russian partners, whether that's distributors, um, wholesalers, anybody else that they work with in the market. And so does this apply to companies that don't have a direct presence in the Russian market? Yes. Um, and there's there's a common misperception uh, that if you don't have people on the ground, you have no risk of being involved in corruption. And that's not true. Uh, th there are nuances to the legislation, uh, but especially with some recent changes to Russia's corruption laws, which we also discuss in our report, companies can actually be held liable for um, some of the corruption behaviors of their local partners. This particularly refers to distributors. So really any company that sells into Russia, even if they only work with a distributor, um, could potentially face the issue of corruption. It needs to have practices in place that protect it from that risk. Can you summarize some of the practices that, that you recommend for companies uh, to implement in order to re reduce their corruption risk with partners? 
Yes, um, in the report we've gone into much greater detail, but there are four practices um, that broadly help businesses protect their business um, from corruption in the market. First is conducting due diligence, and a lot of companies do that. Um, it's not big news that you have to do very deep due diligence in Russia, uh, but there are nuances to it as well. For example, um, in some cases it's necessary to do due diligence on existing partners. For example, if you have inherited a distributor relationship where it was formed 10 years ago and um, that's when you last did your due diligence on that partner. That in some cases could be a time for you to reevaluate the compliance practices of that partner. Um, practice number two is prioritizing compliance as part of any agreements with your local partners, including it explicitly in agreements with partners and also asking for explicit commitment to compliance can really be strong practices to send a message to partners that corruption is not acceptable in how they do business with you. Um, I think um, one of the most important practices is training and educating local partners um, about your company's compliance standards. Now, they might work with other multinationals, with local companies. Um, they may run their business uh, along different corruption lines, if you will, uh, because they're a local player. Uh, that, however, to you means it's a problem. And uh, it's important to communicate that with that partner um, and to make sure that they fully understand exactly what kind of behavior you accept from them and what kind of behavior they cannot and should not engage in um, in, a, in a very, very explicit way. Otherwise, um, things can get hidden um, in terms of uh, what you know about how they get um, to hit the targets that you give them, etc., etc. You don't want to be in that position. Um, and then finally, the fourth practice, again, um, very straightforward is um, monitoring local partner activities to ensure that they're consistently implementing the practices that you expect from them um, and doing so again in a very explicit way. Great. Well, th thank you, Martina, for that overview of practices. Uh, as you said, it, it is a, a fairly straightforward approach. Where do you find that companies usually struggle? Um, I think that companies struggle um, more often than you might imagine in terms of uh, um, ensuring the compliance of their local partners. And the reason is because compliance is such a big issue. It, it's a little paradoxical. But um, what happens is also often companies are very anxious about the issue of corruption and they don't bring it up. They just assume that it's a no-no and the partner knows it and sees it that way. Um, and they're afraid to hear things that will make them uncomfortable. Uh, that's a very dangerous practice because what it tells the local partner is that, um, in fact, you don't care so much about corruption and all that matters to you is that they deliver on the goals that you've given them. And how they get it done is actually of irrelevance to you. Of course, that is actually not the case. We know our clients really do care about this, but it has to be made a part of regular conversations with, let's say, your distributors. It has to be something that is explicitly and openly discussed with them. Um, otherwise, it's going, to be, um, it's going to be ignored in a lot of cases. Um, Training local partners is often something that uh, companies don't really do. It's a part of this communicating strategy that I mentioned. So um, you you have to I inform them about what you expect from them. Uh, and this is the first step by, by training them, including them, for example, in your local team's trainings on compliance, just being very explicit with them about what your expectations are um, and what kind of practices um, you will accept from them as they operate in the ground. What recommendations do you have for companies um, with people on the ground or, or ones that are expanding into regional offices outside of Moscow? For companies that 
are putting a footprint of their own in the market. Um, it's also about uh, creating structures that allow you to protect your business from from corruption. Um, a lot of it, again, is about communicating, and it's also about understanding how corruption happens on the ground, which can be a little challenging for companies that are just setting foot because they might not be very familiar with what traps they might run into. Uh, but also, for companies that are just getting started, it's actually a very good opportunity to put on the ground the right type of processes that as their business grows in the market, uh, they can ensure that their business remains compliant. So. Getting started is actually a good time to put together um, very solid anti-corruption practices. Um, and there are five practices that we've highlighted in our report with detailed recommendations um, on each one of them. The first one, from an EMEA uh, regional president's point of view, is to really play the role of a mediator between corporate compliance standards and the local realities. And I can't emphasize enough how important this is because corporate sets the standard and also has the ethics, etc., etc., uh, regulations by which the Russia business needs to be operating. But the Russia business every day on the ground is going to be facing uh, practical issues in terms of implementing some of these standards. And the role of the EMEA president is going to be to be the conduit between um, the, the theory, if you will, that comes out of corporate and the practice of how you implement it on the ground in Russia. Um, and it's really important that uh, the company's compliance standards are really translated into actions that make sense uh, based on what your salespeople and your local team in Russia are really facing on the ground. That's absolutely critical. Uh, compliance violations happen in the gray zone when your local employees don't understand what these compliance standards mean and they don't realize that they need to be implemented in, say, a particular situation. Your job is to make sure that gray zone is as small as possible. Um, the second practice that we're highlighting is setting the right leadership standard. Um, and that starts with your country manager. So we highlighted best practices in terms of uh, ensuring your country manager is the best informed person on the ground about compliance standards and can really lead the team through the day-to-day -day activities um, and, and ser serve as a role model for them. Um, oftentimes we find that where companies run into compliance problems is where the leadership of the Russia team um, is the one engaging in it. Not always, but in some cases, that's the case. So very important to have the right local leadership. Um, then it's important also to create clear compliance processes and structures. Uh, in some cases, it necessitates building upon things that corporate has already mandated. Um, and in some cases, it's just about implementing things that have already been set by the company's global policies. Uh, practice number four um, is training of your local team. Absolutely critical again. This is where you're going to be explaining to your team how they're going to be implementing your corporate ethics standards to running a business in Russia. Um, and doing so in a very practical, clear, in-person way um, is going to be what really protects your business on a day-to-day -day basis. You can't always monitor what they do and where they do it, but if you educate them right, uh, you have a higher chance of protecting your business from corruption. And then the final one is slightly different. It's actually about... Um, making sure that compliance is a part of your company's public image. One of the things that our experts as well as clients who run businesses on the ground for a while say is that one of the most effective ways to avoid corruption in Russia is to make it very, very clear to anybody who could uh, um, address you for bribes that you never ever give bribes. Companies run into problems when there's a perception that they might. 
and then they get targeted and then you have to say no or if you say yes then it just never ends um, so it's very important to create a public image that you absolutely have a zero tolerance policy to corruption and over time this is going to uh, reduce the risk to corruption of your business great uh, martina thanks for that overview i think it's really useful of practices for uh companies that, that are active in in the country already and that are expanding uh, one thing that you mentioned is that compliance is often uh, mandated on the corporate level but, but what about what's the role of the EMEA regional head um, in this process it is true that compliance is mandated on the corporate level. So obviously these practices shouldn't be implemented without consulting uh, with the people in corporate who are uh, responsible for uh, managing the compliance of the entire company. But the role of the EMEA president um, is, is really critical because um, this is going to be the person translating the corporate uh, corporate standards to the realities on the ground and then feeding information back to corporate to fine-tune those standards. So this is how the theory is going to become practice. And also from a responsibility point of view, um, the EMEA president is going to be responsible ultimately for the compliance of local partners as well as of the local team. Um, so just because corporate has some policies and some um, global practices doesn't mean that there's no place for an EMEA president to uh, refine those and to and to build upon them um, in managing corruption in their Russia business. Martina, last question. What will clients find in the report that FSG just published on this topic um, that, they, that you'd like to direct them to? Yes. Um, the report, as I mentioned earlier, looks at each of the nine practices we just discussed in much greater detail. But to know which part of the report makes most sense, take a simple self-diagnostic that we've included at the beginning of the report. The purpose of the diagnostic is to give you a sense of what aspects of your Russia business might be most vulnerable to corruption. And then based on your answers to the diagnostic, which will take probably five minutes to fill in, um, you can focus on the parts of the report that suggest practices to help you minimize those vulnerabilities. Martina, thanks for the interesting conversation. Uh, definitely appreciate it. As a reminder to our clients, uh, you can speak with Martina or other FSG analysts uh, by simply reaching out via your account manager or directly. Uh, you can also access uh, this full report that Martina uh, j just mentioned uh, on uh, compliance in Russia uh, and all FSG content on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast for today. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your emerging markets.